Welcome to Management 101, your home for learning about management and leadership in business. Now, here is your host, Max Winokur. Hello, and welcome back to Management 101. I am your host, Max Winokur. Thanks so much for joining me today. Today's episode is going to be about holding people accountable. This is a challenge that a lot of new managers and managers who have had a lot of experience face. It is the concept of creating the right expectations and then making sure those expectations are followed through on. One of the things that I often see managers in startups do, as well as in other organizations, is they will think that what they want is also in the minds of the people that are working for them. And what ends up happening is that person who's working for them has something different in mind in terms of what they believe needs to get done and does that thing. The manager, in this case, the founder thinks, why was this done when I wanted that done? And the ultimate result is that that person has done work that was not aligned with expectations because the manager did not appropriately communicate those expectations. I've seen this happen pretty frequently in startups. I think it is because creating accountability is one of the more challenging aspects of being a people manager. And it becomes even harder when you're managing a large team because you are not just creating accountability for individuals doing work. You are also creating accountability for individuals who are managing others doing work. And that is its own challenge in and of itself. And one that is not naturally developed as a skill when you are a founder. It is a lot easier to decide to create a company than it is to just develop accountability skills out of nowhere. So today's episode, we will talk pretty extensively about how to create that accountability. And hopefully at the end of this episode, you'll have some good ideas as to how you might have gaps in your own accountability skill and where you might be able to further develop your own accountability mechanisms with your team. At the end of the day, creating accountability and doing it effectively is the only way to ensure that what you think should happen is what ends up happening. I've split this episode into five parts. The first part is about setting expectations, which is the initial key to any accountability setting. The next part will be about documenting expectations. The third is about checking in on progress along those expectations. The fourth is celebrating wins and using failures as learning opportunities. And then the fifth, I will talk through what are the mistakes that managers typically make when they are trying to hold people accountable. Let's kick it off with setting expectations. To me, setting expectations is really just three things. One is the outcome that you are expecting. Two is the milestones along the way to that outcome that you are expecting to be achieved. And then three is when are all of those things going to take place? Let's say that you are looking for your sales team to build 
a larger sales funnel. You're looking for them to sell more services or products. The outcome that you might establish with your head of sales is a sales target. We want to get to a million dollars of annual recurring revenue through new sales by six months from now. So you've seen the ultimate outcome and you've also now seen the timing. We said six months from now. Now it's very unlikely that that sales leader is going to go from $0 in new sales to a million dollars a year in new sales by the flip of a switch. Normally it takes some time. Normally it takes some uh, trial and error. They might have to hire a team under them. They might have to build certain processes. They might have to build a bit of a pipeline. It's often a good idea to also set intermediate milestones, which is to say, well, six months from now, I expect us to be at a million annual recurring revenue in new sales. What about two months from now? What progress would you like to see happening? Maybe two months from now, the intermediate milestone is I want to see a sales funnel that's established and has leads moving through it. Another milestone might be a smaller sales goal. Two months from now, I expect to see at least $100,000 in revenue that's at least at contract stage or something like that. You're breaking down that larger goal into smaller steps. You're setting the expectations of not just here's where we want to get to, but also here's where I think we need to be in it different points along the way. The more of that guidance you can give to your team member, the easier it will be for them to actually accomplish that goal. Most people have a really hard time operating in total white space. If you just say, get to this end result six months from now, the vast majority of people will have a lot of trouble going from zero to 100 and getting that done. But if you say, not just six months from now, here's where we need to be, but here are some things that would demonstrate we're making progress along the way, as an example, building that sales funnel, then a sales leader is going to say, it's not just, I need to do all these things by six months from now. It's that here's an order of things I need to do. And here's when I need to do them. And it helps create better spreading out of their work. And it helps show them that they're making progress over time. If you just say, get here six months from now, and then you don't check in on it. You don't say any intermediate goals that you're looking for, then that individual may have no sense of if they're making good progress in your eyes until the very end, which at the end, either they've made it or they haven't. There's no course correction opportunity. It's really good to both set the long-term goal, but also to set those intermediate milestones. One of the key questions that I think needs to be answered when thinking about how you set expectations is how will you measure those outcomes? I was having a conversation earlier today with a client where we were talking about specifically the sales funnel problem. This person is working on helping develop their sales leader. And the sales leader has a bunch of sales managers under them who are at varying levels of capability. And in order to have this team be really effective, the person I'm working with wants their sales leader to help develop those sales managers. And we agreed that it made sense to set some expectations around individual development plans. The sales leader would create development plans for each of those managers. The question that this client asked me was, how do I measure that? This sales leader could just mail it in. They could literally just write down development plans and they could be terrible, but technically 
the sales leader would have filled the requirements and gotten to the outcome that I asked for. Measuring the outcomes is really important and being detailed around what the outcome should look like is also really important. To some extent, you do need to rely on your team members to not just fulfill your wishes to the letter of them, but also to the spirit of them. But more importantly, set the right expectations with the right amount of detail about them. So in this case, with this uh, client of mine, what we talked through was, what do you want these development plans to look like? It's not just a binary, whether they're created or not, but they probably need to have certain contents. And they also will need to have action taken against them. It's not just a question of, well, two months from now, these development plans are created and that's that. It's also a question of, well, is this leader actually working on these development plans with these individuals? Are those individuals progressing along those development plans? So what started as just a binary two months from now, I want to see individual development plans for all these managers turned into two months from now, I want to see development plans for all these managers. Three months from now, I want to see weekly meetings or monthly meetings associated with those development plans. And I will do checking in to see that they're actually being actioned. And I will provide a template that says, this is what a good development plan should look like. Measuring the outcome here is not just a binary, did it happen or not, but also what submetrics do you want to be accomplishing? And in this case, it was Yes, the development plans will be created. That is one outcome. But as part of that outcome, they will also have all these other pieces attached to them, which make them high quality development plans. The next component of setting expectations appropriately is documenting those expectations appropriately. If you have a conversation around expectations and then check in on them three months later and haven't written anything down, it is very possible that in that intervening time, you and your direct report have slowly gone on different pages around what needs to happen and by when. The only way to ensure that you uh, are both in agreement is by documenting them in some way. This can be as simple as a Word document. Companies often use Gantt charts to show timelines of different goals. There are tools that companies use for project management. There are all kinds of options for documenting and they can go from very simple to very complex depending on what a company needs, but they all put the expectations of each team member and each team in one place. And the reason this is important is it might be something very simple to remember, but there's something about the human brain, and I won't get into the science here mostly because I don't know it. There's something about the human brain that simply operates better when something is visible to it. When I can see this is what's expected of me. And it's written down in my email or it's written down on a slide somewhere or it's written down on a project plan. It is a lot more likely that I will follow through on that. And of course, it's a lot more likely that my delivery will be accurate to the expectation because if I'm ever unclear, I can just go back and look at what was written down. Companies, when they get bigger, do this by doing quarterly planning where they ask each organization, each team to say, here's what we plan to accomplish this quarter. That is a organizational version of setting expectations. And you can do the same thing with your direct reports, which is to say, in a given week, a given month, in a given quarter, a given year, 
what do we want to get done? And when you write down, this is what we plan to get done, it becomes a lot more likely that it will be completed and it becomes something that you can reference over time more easily to say, how are we doing against this? I actually don't think that documenting expectations is really that challenging. It's not very complex. It can truly be as simple as writing it down in a Word document or a spreadsheet of some sort and then just checking in on it over time. I think the most important thing is simply that it happens. In the majority of cases that I'm working with a client and expectations are not being met, it's often because those aren't well documented. And so what one leader thinks is supposed to be happening is not in the minds of the team who's actually doing that work. And over time, that gets more and more divergent. The only way to keep everyone on the same page is simply by writing it down. It doesn't have to be all that challenging or, or complex. The next component is checking in on the progress against those expectations. Going back to that initial example, if you're asking your sales leader to build a sales funnel and you don't talk about it at all between that moment and six months later when it's supposed to be done, you have left a lot of room for error. You have not created opportunities to check in on blockers that have arisen that you can maybe help with solving. You have not created any opportunities to chat through progress. The likelihood that things just end up where they're supposed to be six months from now is a lot lower if you're not checking in on some repeated basis. The key here is to, as part of the expectations, establish how often are we going to be checking in on this thing? If I'm asking you to build out this big sales pipeline, I we should chat about it in our one-on-one -on -one every week. And in our one-on-ones, we can actually together establish the local expectation along the path to getting to a full-on sales pipeline that's producing a million dollars in revenue. Here are the things that we agree need to be accomplished this week in order to make that happen. Or if it's someone who's more developed, it's maybe something you can check in on less frequently and just maybe it's once a month or something like that, where you just ask, how is it going on developing the sales pipeline? Let's chat through what your project plan is. How are you progressing against that project plan? And that individual can say, I am exactly on target. There have been no blockers that have arisen that I haven't been able to deal with, or we just ran into this issue that I think might impede progress. Maybe it's been more challenging to identify new sales leads than we expected, or it's been a lot harder to hire salespeople than we expected, or we were trying to implement Salesforce and that's taking longer than we expected it to. All of those red flags allow you as a manager to step in and help figure out how to solve the problem such that you're not getting to that six months from now finish line and saying, where did all these things go wrong? There's no opportunity then to fix them. The checking in on a regular basis both allows you to identify, oh, these problems have arisen that you need help with and also can help you adjust with that individual expectations over time such that they're not trying to deliver something that's impossible or in the better situation, they're ahead of schedule and you can reset expectations such that they're not simply doing nothing. Generally checking in on expectations is something I recommend doing on a weekly or every other week basis with your direct reports in the form of one-on-ones, which I talk about pretty extensively in other episodes of this podcast. But it's basically a check-in that says, what did you accomplish last week? 
What did you expect to accomplish last week? What is the difference between those things? And what do you expect to accomplish this week? Are there blockers that I can help remove such that you are able to accomplish those things? And are there problems you're having trouble solving that we can chat through together? The last component of setting expectations and holding people accountable is how you react to the final outcome. Sometimes your teams will achieve the goal on time, and that's awesome. Sometimes they won't achieve the goal, and at times that will be because they did something that they shouldn't have or didn't do something that they should have. Other times it will be completely out of their control, and there's nothing that you or they could have done to change the outcome. To me, part of holding people accountable is celebrating the wins when the team does achieve something, but it's also how you react to the non-achievements. In the case of celebrating the wins, one of the challenges I often see with company cultures is it tends to be one that really vilifies rather than celebrates. When things don't go well, the typical approach of a founder is to make changes. That's part of moving fast and breaking things is when things don't go well, we need to react very quickly and we need to pivot and adjust and make changes to what we're doing. That's all well and good. And obviously is the core to a successful business in some ways, but the way that reaction reverberates throughout the org can cause a lot of cultural problems that long-term might result in churn, but at the very least will result in people not being as productive as they could be and not being as satisfied as they could be. And therefore, like I said, resulting in people leaving or more people leaving than maybe could have or regrettable departures. Rather than just thinking of constantly about what could we be doing differently, taking some time to celebrate the wins. Hey, we did achieve this goal. Look at all the amazing work that this team did and calling out very specific things that the team did in order to get to that final outcome. Managers often assume that other people are aware of how well, th- are as aware of how well things went as they are, or they assume that everyone knows that this was a good project or that they did a good job. Generally speaking, and this is very universally applicable, people tend to not know as much as you have in your brain as a manager. And so when you're sitting there thinking to yourself, oh, that went really well, or if you're just thinking about that project and you realize that you achieved the goal, don't assume that anyone else has realized that yet. Or maybe a better way to phrase that is, don't assume that everyone else knows that you know that. Better to over-communicate on those wins and really celebrate and make the team feel good about them than to risk them not knowing that you thought they did a good job. A lot of heartache and frustration at companies that I've worked with has been from individuals doing work not receiving the commendment and the encouragement from their managers that they felt was deserved given the work that they had done. And I have never run into a problem at a company where someone said, my manager celebrates my wins too often or gives me too much positive feedback. Pretty sure that's not a thing. The flip side of this is how you view failures. And I think the key here is actually generally not to view things as failures at all, to separate person from process. 
ultimately, when things don't go well, it's because some piece of the process didn't happen the way that we wanted it to. And there was something about the process that could be fixed. It is not you as an individual did a bad job. It is this process had a bad outcome. And in the future, there's probably something we can do differently to ensure or to make that better outcome more likely. You can separate person from process. For example, in one of my roles, my team was trying to come up with a better way to standardize the way that a certain function worked. So instead of a bunch of different people handling a process in different ways, come up with one standardized process where they were fed exactly what task to do at one point. We did a test of it and we tested it with one individual in the team and it worked really well. And so we decided to roll out version two of the test, which expanded to a few more individuals in the team who were supposed to run this process. And that version of the process went really poorly. It turns out that the first person we had tested this with was far and away the highest performer on the team that we were working with. They adopted this new tool and process quite easily. But when we rolled it out to more individuals in that team, we were involving individuals who weren't low performers by any means, but they were not the highest performers in the team. And they started to ask more basic questions that we hadn't come up with initial answers to because this first person we tested with had just done these things automatically or had made good assumptions. So what we thought was a really positive first test ended up being a really inconclusive one because the second round of testing where we expanded it to more individuals went very poorly and ultimately went so poorly that we had to scrap the project. Now, my manager, who was the COO of the company, certainly could have said, Max, you should have tested this with a broader audience. You did a bad job. I think that maybe technically would have been right, but instead... My managers asked me first what happened, just asked me to walk through the steps of what had occurred, and then asked me what would I do differently with the same information? Where should the process change in the future? And when this manager did that, they took the blame and accusation away from me personally, and instead made it about the process itself. And we couldn't change what happened in the past, but we could use it as a learning opportunity for the future. And then my performance was judged not on, did I do all the things exactly as ideally they would have been done, but rather, did I learn from these bad outcomes such that they would happen differently in the future? And would I be able to recognize when there was the potential for failure in the future and thus be able to avoid that and create better outcomes. To me, this was an incredibly motivating managerial experience because instead of feeling bad for myself and being upset with myself, instead, this manager was having me channel that energy towards what could be done differently next time. And ultimately, since the outcome was already determined, this process and project had already rolled out, there was nothing that could be done to change what had already happened. All that we could do is just make sure that something similar didn't happen again 
that we were coming up with more proactive ways of addressing these problems that we discovered. It's impossible for any individual to think of all the potential pitfalls that would lead to them not accomplishing their goals, whether it's things out of their control or things in their control. So to tell someone that they did a bad job because this thing didn't go well is often just not very productive. Instead, use the failure as a learning opportunity and try to think about it as what went wrong here rather than who did wrong here. The best companies I've worked with have done a really good job of separating person from process and the companies that have struggled with culture issues and high turnover or the teams that have struggled with culture issues and high turnover have often been because managers, whether purposefully or not, are trying to hold an individual responsible for having caused the problem rather than creating the opportunity for that individual to figure out how to do differently next time. This last topic is not exactly one of the components of holding people accountable, but how to avoid some of the mistakes that managers often make when trying to hold people accountable. There are four in my mind that I see happen all the time. I'll go through them one by one and hopefully you'll learn something. The first is managers often assume expectations are a lot clearer than they actually are. I see this happen most frequently with more experienced managers managing more junior employees where an experienced manager is so used to doing something a certain way that they just assume everyone knows to do this thing and they don't set clear expectations around, hey, this thing has to be done and here are some good ways to do it or here is the way to do it. They have it in their head, this is supposed to happen and the employee does not have it in their head that this is supposed to happen, get to the end point where it was supposed to have happened in the manager's mind, the employee hasn't done anything because the employee has never been told what they're supposed to do. It is very easy to make the mistake of assuming that your employees know everything that they're supposed to do. It is way better to over-communicate and measure twice and cut once. Have those check-ins and make sure that employees are super clear on what needs to happen. It's not micromanaging if you're just checking in and seeing if they know what needs to be done. It might be micromanaging if you are checking in all the time and telling them what to do at each individual step. The next mistake I see managers make really often is one I just talked about, trying to place blame rather than finding solutions. I think I'm going to give bad managers the benefit of the doubt here. I think that most bad managers are not trying to make people feel bad when they are placing blame. They have either just grown up in an environment, in a professional setting where this is normal, where someone needs to be blamed for the problem, or they don't know any better. Like this is just a default because we're human beings and we are imperfect managers. What I see happen all the time is managers who even in the course of trying to find solutions such that these things don't happen next time, often end up 
placing blame on someone and saying, this team didn't do this thing, or this team did that thing and they shouldn't have, or this individual was supposed to do this and they didn't. It might come across to you as a manager as not accusatory, but if someone believes that they could have done something differently to make a better outcome, I bet they're feeling bad about it. And they're going to take even the smallest inference that they did something wrong to heart. Focus on how do we create the right set of processes such that the outcome is better next time without saying anyone did or did not do this thing this time. Just focus on how do we make this better for next time? How do we make this process as perfect as it can be such that it has the highest likelihood of success? And really be encouraging of team members, whether they were involved or not, to come up with ideas. Placing blame might feel really good now. You might actually be really annoyed with someone on your team. You feel like you were very clear with them on, hey, this thing needs to happen and they didn't do it. At the end of the day, it already didn't happen. Making them feel crappy about it is not going to do very much. It is okay to say, tell me how we can ensure that this happens differently next time. And it is okay to set the expectation that this is something that needs to be done consistently in order for you to be effective in your role. But making someone feel bad about not doing it in the past is largely useless. Try to make it future focused. And if someone didn't do something that you told them specifically needed to happen or you'd agree need to happen, ask them what happened that made it occur this way. What do you think we could do to make sure it happens in the future? And then if it's a pattern, you can bring it up with them as this is a broader development issue and not simply a single process issue. This is something that seems to be a performance problem. We have set clear expectations and you have not met them multiple times. That can be a performance discussion. But when holding individuals accountable on a one-time basis for one thing, making them feel bad is never a good idea. Another mistake that managers often make is not providing support when progress is not where it needs to be. And again, this happens more frequently with more senior managers who tend to be more hands-off. So leaders of companies who are pulled in a million directions and tend to be more experienced and just don't have the time to dedicate to any one individual team member oftentimes don't check in as often as they need to, to ensure there is progress being made in whatever expectations were set, whatever commitments were made. But even when they do check in on progress, sometimes what will happen is that manager will just say, we checked in, this person knows that this is not going the way it's supposed to, and I trust them to figure it out. Or you don't even think that, you just don't think about it at all. If progress is not being made in a way that had been a commitment between you and your direct report, then something's going wrong. And if something is going wrong, the worst assumption is just that to assume that it will get better on its own. You as a manager have the opportunity to dig in and problem solve with your direct report. Ask them questions. Why do you think this is not going the way that we had wanted it to? What do you think needs to happen? Where can I provide my support? Are there specific issues that you are having trouble solving? Are there specific things that if I can get you more resources, they might move faster? 
are there specific gaps in your own skills that you feel like are stopping you from accomplishing this where I can lend my own support? Managers who don't provide support when progress is not where it needs to be are setting themselves up for ultimate failure in terms of achieving the outcomes that were agreed on. Because if something isn't already going well, the likelihood that that trend will continue without any action is very high. The last mistake that I think managers often make that ultimately comes back to bite them is using accountability overall only as a punishment. I hear leaders say, we need to hold this team accountable, not in the, we need to really celebrate their wins way very often, but I hear them say it in the, this team is not performing as I expect them to way all the time. If you are only thinking about what ways to punish a team with accountability, then you have largely missed the point entirely. Accountability is a mechanism to check in on progress and to set appropriate expectations and to make sure that we got to the right outcomes. But if we don't get to the right outcomes, accountability is not just punishing people for not getting there. It is creating the right processes in the right checkpoints in the right documentation, in the right expectations, such that you maximize the likelihood of success, such that you celebrate the wins when they do occur, and such that when things don't occur the way that you expected, you create an environment where you figure out how to make it happen differently next time. If you only use accountability as a punishment, I'm going to implement more tracking of this team's work because they're not doing it. The team's going to feel that. They're going to react poorly, and you're going to ultimately lose productivity. But if you approach them and you say, it seems like the expectations in terms of where this metric needs to be are not consistently being met. And I'm wondering if there are better ways to create that accountability. If you make it a group project rather than I'm imposing this on you because you're doing a bad job, the likelihood of success increases dramatically. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you found something in this accountability podcast useful. Would love to hear from you on mechanisms that you've used in your own managerial experience to hold people accountable, what's worked, and more importantly, what hasn't, because I'm always looking for my own learnings on, on this topic. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Management 101. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to subscribe and leave a comment or a review. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in to Management 101, and we'll catch you in the next episode.